so many good things happen in the presence of the Lord. Just want to say thank you to all of those that are serving today. Thank you, Melissa and Stefano and Yosef. Thank you, James and Mike, Tyro, Monique, Anna, Josh, Dan. All of our First Encounters team as well is here. Thank you, everyone, for serving tonight and being here. You know, when we sing the Shema, a lot of times we, a lot of us will cover our eyes or we'll close our eyes during the Shema. And this is a great time to do that. Because what that means to us is the commandment is to hear, O Israel, not see, O Israel. Because sometimes what you see is very scary. Israel was constantly faced with seeing things they should have never been able to conquer, whether it be giants or Egyptian armies or bodies of water or battles in front of them or a lack of food and water, they could see the problem, but they had to close their eyes and hear the victory. And so sometimes you'll see us at King of Kings when we sing Shema, we'll close our eyes, we'll cover our eyes, and that's what we're tapping into. And today is one of those days. Certainly, you've looked at the news, you've checked it out online, you've gotten the news feed. This is one of those moments where you close your eyes because what you see is scary, but what you hear from the Word of God should bring you life. We bring some portions of good news already today. Uh, many of you heard online the hostages that were taken. Well, two of the groups of hostages have been freed, praise the Lord and the terrorists were taken down. You may have also heard that at least 10 settlements or villages uh, were taken over by Hamas control yesterday. They have been taken back by Israeli control today. You may have heard that one of the IDF bases, the Israeli Defense Force bases was taken by Hamas yesterday. It is now back into the hands of the Israeli army. You see, God is at work, friends. And for a few moments, we wanna dive into the scriptures because we want this to be an anchor for your soul. The Word of God is a, uh, it's a light in front of you. It's, the Bible says it's a lamp unto your feet, it's a light into your path. And during a dark time like this, you need light. And that's why we wanna focus on the Word of God for just a few minutes, if we could. Right now, we should be in a celebratory mood because of the end of Sukkot and Hoshana Rabbah, Shemini Atzeret, and Simchat Torah. You can see the scrolls are here. We still have the remnants of Sukkot on the stage to celebrate that. And while we still celebrate to some measure, tonight we're standing on the Word of God. It's a slight change of heart position. We love the, the, the law of the Lord. We love the Word of God. God, we say thank you for your Word. Thank you for Yeshua becoming the Word in flesh. But tonight we need to stand on your Word if you've been with us in this current series of perfection for the holidays, we started off with a perfect God, then perfect timing for the Feast of Trumpets, Yom Teruah, then perfect sacrifice for Yom Kippur, perfect peace as we open Sukkot and tonight the perfect word, connecting it with Simchat Torah. Hallelujah. Psalm 19, 7 and 8 will be our opening verse tonight. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. 
The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. It's a lot that is packed in right there. And the couple of things that should jump out at you are there are different categories of God's law. If you were to go back through it slowly, you would see that there are certain things called statutes and precepts and commands. We're going to circle back to that in a few minutes because Abraham understood that. King David understood that. We should understand that tonight as well. So what is it about the law of the Lord that is able to, some of your Bibles say, convert the soul. Some say, refresh the soul. What is it about God's word that can do that? Well, let's make some qualifiers. First of all, we're not saying that obedience to the word of God or the obedience to the law of God alone is enough to save you. We're not saying that. We fell short of that. That was given to us in the beginning as an option, and we took the option. We failed miserably at that option, and then we needed Yeshua to come and rescue us. His salvation, death, atonement, and resurrection alone is what saves us. But yet the law of the Lord is perfect. God did not mess up in giving us his word. We messed up his word, but he did not mess up his word. It's a perfect law and it brings life. And in essence, everything the Lord created the, the law to do, it did. For every purpose that it was intended, it did its job. In the new covenant, we, we learned that the, the law of the Lord was our guardian, that it was walking with us while we were children until such a time it could deliver us to the point of maturity in the spirit. And at that point, it released us to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit would be inside of us telling us right from wrong, stop here, go there, green light, red light, be sensitive. The Holy Spirit would take over. But just like as a child, there's an old saying, everything I needed in life, I learned when I was in kindergarten. And it's, it's primarily true of the basics, right? Listen to authority, work well with others, be kind, follow instructions. You know, there's some basics that you learned. But just like a child learns basics and then they grow up, you understand that when they're grown, they, they can't neglect the basics just because they're grown. And the word of God is very similar. The word was given to us to be a guardian to take us from infancy and salvation to the time in which we were submitted under the power and leadership of the Holy Spirit. And once it delivered us to that moment, that doesn't mean we can forsake everything that we were taught. And that's the analogy that we're getting from the new covenant what about this in Isaiah 55, 10 and 11? As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That means every word that God speaks is very intentional. This is one of my favorite things about God. If you're an intentional person and you look ahead and you're a planner and you have vision, then you love this part about God. Because God is an intentional God. 
He holds his tongue until he wants to speak something because he understands the power of his words. When he speaks it, it comes into being. So he can't frivolously let words fly off his tongue because those words will come into being and maybe that's not what he wants. So he holds his tongue. And when he's ready to create the universe, he creates the universe. He holds his tongue. And when he's ready to create humanity, he speaks humanity and it comes into being. This is why Yeshua, as he was coming into his sacrifice in a bodily form, before he was executed, it talks about, prophesied about, he would have to hold his tongue. He would be silent. And all the way to the cross, he was silent. Why? Because he's God, the creator, and every word that comes out of his mouth has power, and it will accomplish everything he speaks into being. And so Yeshua had to be careful with his words. This is how powerful the word of God is. So now we're going to return to our opening section for a moment. How can the word of the Lord refresh our soul? Well, we like a very simple formula here at King of Kings, and I want us all to adopt this formula. When it comes to the word of God, we want to open it, read it, and do it. That sounds simple, but I think that is the point. The point is that it is simple. Open it, read it, do it. Don't open it, read it, reinterpret it, massage it, twist it, sprinkle it with some culture, spray some liberalism on it, pretend it doesn't, is not relevant anymore, try to help Yeshua catch up to the modern culture because after all, he needs your help and try to do that formula. That's not what we want in the word of God. Open it, read it, do it. Stop trying to reinterpret it. He doesn't need your help. If he needed our help, when he would have, was ready to write it, he would have given you a phone call and he would have said, Chad, I'm thinking about writing Proverbs 3, but I need your counsel. How should I write it? He didn't need that. He didn't need us when he created the universe. Why does he need us to reinterpret his word? Open it, read it, do it. Let's keep it simple. Proverbs 3. I'm going to read several verses from Proverbs 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. You say, how does the word of the Lord refresh me? Because it brings you peace and prosperity. You say, why is that relevant for today? I think it's extremely relevant for today. In a moment of all-out war, Maybe, maybe we don't understand. Maybe not everyone in the world understands the context. When Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu declared war, it was the first time since 1973, the great Yom Kippur War, that, he's, that our level of officials have declared that officially. This is a big deal for us. Now, we've gone through intifadas one and two and Operation Protective Shield, Protective Edge, and iron, all the stuff we've gone through over the years. Today was different. Yesterday was different. And that's when you want peace and prosperity. It continues, long life is in her right hand and it's left as riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all of her paths are peace. She, being the word of God, is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold fast will be blessed. 
This scripture is so powerful that it shows up in our ancient Sidurim, the prayer books. We sing this song every Shabbat when we finish reading the Parshat HaShavuah, the portion of the week. We roll, we take the scroll out, we read it, we roll the scroll back, and as we put the scroll away, we sing this song. It's Chaim He it's a tree of life to those who take hold of it. And blessed are those who obey it. Now, God has always encouraged his leaders to make the meaning of the scriptures very, very simple. I got a great compliment one time from someone who I think was meaning to insult me, but it ended up being a great compliment. He said, Pastor Chad, I've been connecting with King of Kings for many years, and you know, you keep things real simple. A lot of meat and potatoes. I said, well, man, thanks a lot. That's what I've been trying to do. Praise God. Because when I read the scriptures, that's exactly what it tells us to do as leaders. You can get lost in the colors and the, the numbers and the first letter of every line and the horns and the bowls. Come on, guys, you know what I'm talking about. This trumpet, that trumpet, that bowl, that scarf, that horse, it's speckled, it's red. I get asked a lot of times, Pastor Chad, how come King of Kings doesn't do a discipleship class on the book of Revelation and unpacking all of the prophetic symbolism of eschatology? Here's my answer. Because it would all be a guess. All of it would be a guess. I'm going to guess what that color means and that date and that bowl and this trumpet, that seal, I have no idea. But what I do know is there's a lot of meat in the word of God we should be paying attention to that the body of Messiah around the world is apparently not paying attention to, which is why we find ourselves in the trouble we're in today, worldwide body, liberalism, you know, this relativism, 50% divorces in the body of Messiah, homosexuality, running rampant, transgenderism, we're confused now. None of that should be confusing if we're grounded in the word of God. So we wanna keep it simple. As a matter of fact, there's verses about this. Remember when the exiles returned after, well, the northern part of Israel had been gone 100 and something years, but the southern had been gone at least 70 years and they were returned to the land of Israel. They rebuilt the altars. They started to rebuild the walls. They started to rebuild the temple, but they broke out the word of God and they had not heard it for an entire generation. And so the priests stood up, they read the word. The entire Torah at one reading, the people cried because they had heard about this thing called the Torah, but they'd never heard the Torah. And they got to hear it for the first time. They started crying. And this is what it says in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 8. The priest read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and simple, giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. Teachers in the house, teachers online, you're a teacher, you're a professor, you're a pastor, you're a small group leader, you're a mentor, you're a discipler, you do seminars and classes conferences. Listen, your job is to make the word of God simple so people can obey it. That's when they're blessed. They're not only blessed when they hear it, they're blessed when they do it. So make it simple that we can all do it together. 
And I thought that scripture was very appropriate today because that was the returning of their scrolls. And for Simchat Torah this weekend, we get to now focus on the word of God. If you've been following the readings this year, we end the readings this week and we start over with next Shabbat. So if you need your new parasha reading list, let us know at King of Kings. Those of you that show up in the house in the coming weeks, you can get it uh, at the information table. James chapter one, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Again, make it simple. Don't just hear it, but do it. But did you hear that James also called the word of God perfect? We're starting to see a trend. We want to make things straightforward. God has never been a God who's tried to hide things from his people. As a matter of fact, Genesis 18, 17, the Lord then said, shall I hide from my servant Abraham what I'm about to do? Satan's lie is that God is hiding something. The reality of God, he's never hiding anything. Amos chapter three. Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his servant, the prophets. Again, he's trying to release his word through the scriptures, through the prophetic people, through dreams and visions, all of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, through the community at large. Which reminds me, many times you'll hear us talk about the salvation plan of God as an individual invitation to join the corporate family of God. In today's modern Christian world, the gospel has been changed from its origin a little bit, and now it is a very individualistic gospel. It's preached as an individual gospel. You get saved to enter your own kingdom for your own eternal life, for your own benefit, for your own improvement, self-help. Self-help congregations. While certainly there's the expectation of transformation in the gospel, you join the corporate family. And there's a lot of promises in the word of God that are intended for the individual. But there's also a lot of promises in the word of God that are intended for the corporate body. And right now at this time in this season, we start to proclaim those corporate promises we need to proclaim that all Israel will be saved. We need to proclaim God's protection over Israel. We need to proclaim that God doesn't slumber or sleep. We need to proclaim that, that the Father never stops working for our good. So that's why we want to get away from that individual gospel. And we want to embrace the corporate element because there are so many promises in the Bible that apply only to the corporate dynamic for which we need right now. Right now we need the corporate promises. The individual promises can wait. Right now, we need the corporate ones. So intercessors, those of you in the prayer circles, begin to pray and proclaim the corporate promises over Israel. What did the apostle John say about the word of God? Chapter 14. If you love me, then keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, the Holy Spirit, to help you and to be with you forever. Did you notice the order? Please notice the order. If you love me, 
obey me, then I will give you the Holy Spirit. What did it say in Hebrews about the word of God was a guardian to deliver you to the moment where the Holy Spirit takes over your life? It's the same order, but you never forget what you learned in the basics. Holy Spirit is given to you. John chapter 14, John chapter 16, the Holy Spirit was given to us to illuminate the word of God and to make it simple for us to follow. We look at what kind of laws there are in the Bible. I mentioned the categorical law before. There was a promise given to Abraham, Genesis 26, 4 and 5. The Lord is actually talking to Isaac, but he's, he's looking backwards about his time with Abraham. And he says, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give them all of these lands, talking about Israel, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commands, my decrees, and my statutes, my instructions. If you come into the word of God as a new covenant believer and you have somehow misunderstood the teachings of the scriptures, I wanna help you set things straight for a moment. First of all, there is something called the universal moral code of God. When we took from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we automatically knew the difference between right and wrong. It stayed with us. Every human has it. That's a law you can't get away from. It's called the universal moral code of God. That applies to everybody. Jew, Gentile, old, young, doesn't matter. Then Adam was given certain laws, right? Be fruitful, multiply, take dominion of the earth, don't eat from that tree. Adam had laws that we were told. And then Adam had other laws from the tree of knowledge, because when Cain violated the sacrifice laws that he knew about, God rebuked him. Then Cain went on to kill his brother Abel. Well, do not murder wasn't talked about with Adam, yes, but it was part of the universal moral code for which all mankind is responsible. And for that, Cain was judged. Noah was given laws. There's no such thing as Jew, Gentile, Torah, temple, Israel, but Noah still had laws that we must all obey. Abraham was given laws, we just read about them, that we must obey. Because a lot of these things existed long before there was the uniqueness of Jew and Gentile. And even if we were to fast forward into the Torah itself, the covenant laws of Torah, and you might say, well, there are clearly some sections for the Jewish people, and we would say, yes, there are. There are clearly sections for ritual, for temple, for priesthoods, for sacrifices. And we would say, yes, there are. But there are also hundreds of moral laws that God expects all of us to tap into from his Torah. And if you want to fast forward even further, get to the new covenant age. Look at how many laws are repeated in Yeshua's ministry. Most of them not new, by the way. As a matter of fact, the only time he, he mentions having a new law, it was love one another like I loved you. That was the new law. But loving one another wasn't the new law. That's already mentioned in Leviticus chapter 18. That wasn't even new. The point that was new was, I give you this new command, love one another the way I loved you, right? But everything else Yeshua taught, he had already taught us. The word of the Lord is good. 
We stand on the word. Hallelujah. Melissa, you'll come, you and the team. Let me read you two final sections and we'll pray for a moment. You might say, why are we focusing on the word of God today? Because it's the weekend of Simchat Torah. We're gonna roll the scrolls back. We're gonna start the new parasha readings. But more importantly, in a dark time of adversity and emergency, of tragedy and crisis, you want to anchor yourself to something that is immovable. And Yeshua doesn't change. The word of God never changes. The promises of God are for you, for us, for all believers, and especially for Israel right now. And it's time we get in the word, we read it, we do it, and we keep it simple. You might say, well, how does all of this gel with the new covenant? Romans chapter three, verse 28. For we maintain that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law, which we all agree. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through the same faith, do we then nullify or do away with the law by this faith? Not at all, but rather we uphold the law. So if you were curious, you say, well, that's not what I was taught growing up. That's not where my denomination or my home congregation, my home church, I was never taught that the law of God was important. I was just taught that it was important to pray to Yeshua, receive his salvation, and then it doesn't matter after that. Then you're out of line with the scripture itself. You are saved by faith, but you are blessed through obedience. In our final verse tonight, Matthew chapter 5, 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. Now, this isn't Paul writing anymore. This is Yeshua himself. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And just so you're clear the interpretation on that, when some people read it, they hear fulfill, that means it's over. The problem with trying to rectify that in this verse is it says in the future, whoever will continue to practice them. And that doesn't gel with it's over. The word of God is not over. It's an anchor. It's a foundation we stand on today. It, are, it is full of promises that we should be praying out loud today in such a time like this. Father in heaven, your name is great. Your word is great. There is no one like you. In a dark place, we find the light of your word. You make it simple. That's been your mode of operation. We wanna copy you and make it simple. 
We wanna open your word. We wanna read it. We wanna do it. We wanna stop playing games. We wanna stop playing word games. Syntax games with your scriptures. We wanna re receive the power in which it was intended. Because what we do know is this, everything you set out to accomplish in your word will be accomplished. It is a tree of life for the, uh, those of us who take hold of it. It's not a tree of life for everyone. It's only a tree of life for those who take hold of it. And when we were questioned about whether or not we should continue to operate in the boundaries of your word, you've made it clear. If you love me, obey me. I do not nullify the law, but we uphold the law. I didn't do away with the law, but it is a blessing for those of you that continue to practice it. Give us these promises today that we might stand on in Yeshua's name. Amen.